Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Celebrate the Chicago Reader. Join us to see the Reader come to life at our second annual Ungala, Wednesday, October 18th at the stunning Epiphany Center for the Arts. We'll have reader-approved entertainment, including Grammy Award-winning Peter Cottontail and local rockers The Trenchies, DJs, live art, and other performances. More details are at chicagoreader.com slash ungala. That's chicagoreader.com slash U-N-G-A-L-A. Ben Jarofsky show for this Thursday, October 5th starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes UAW 551 member, electrician, Marcy Pedraza. The Ben Jarofsky show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. Everything you need to know to get tickets to that Ungala coming up. Yeah, you just heard Ben talking about it. That's all there, too. If you want more Ben Jarofsky, just head to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this, I don't know, Nervous Dems Thursday. (laughs) Oh, people. Listen, I was basically born a Democrat. Okay, I have no choice. It was something that was like passed down to me from my parents, mainly my mother. Mom, may you rest in peace. I've been a Democrat my whole life. As I've said many times uh, on this show, I believe I have not voted for a Republican since 1980. My distinguished guest is looking at that going, oh my God. Uh, 1980. Uh, that was the last time I voted for Republican. So I'm a Democrat, basically. I don't try to hide it. I'm not one of those. I am an independent people. No, I'm a Democrat. But the Democrats infuriate me so. And so uh, I will now uh, reference a column by Lynn Sweet in today's uh, Chicago Sun-Times uh, about uh, Richard Durbin, Dick Durbin, Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, our very own senator, who's the chair of the Judiciary Committee, and is very upset that J.D. Vance, uh, this MAGA senator from Ohio, is taking advantage of the rules that they have in the Senate uh, to block confirmation of a Chicago prosecutor named April Perry and a bunch of prosecutors throughout the country. Uh, and it's some internal Senate rule that gives privilege to senators to block uh, nominees c- coming to like a voice vote. And so here's the issue. <laughs> they could just call a meeting, convene a meeting of the full Senate. I may have mentioned this before. The fact that it comes back just infuriates me. They, There's like six of these. They're so uh, 
prosecutors that J.D. Vance is blocking for one MAGA reason or another, each one dumber than the other. Who cares what the reason is? The guy's blocking it. He's keeping you from taking advantage of this little privilege you have where you prove him on a voice vote. So go to the full floor. Just vote on the full floor. This is not complicated. It kind of reminds me of the immigrant crisis here in the city of Chicago. They take something and they make it hugely complicated. Build something for people to live in and put Chicagoans to work building them. Hello, not complicated. I don't know. Well, we have to study this. This is very, very tough and serious. We don't know what to do. This is even, I mean, okay, so I will grant that it's a little more complicated uh, building, rehabbing buildings than calling a meeting <laughs> to confirm. But that's all you have to do, Senator. But just get Chuck Schumer to bring the Senate together and confirm him. Why do Democrats make everything so needlessly complicated? Why are they so chicken? Do you think Mitch McConnell would allow some Democrat to keep him from what? Appointing, approving? Prosecutors? Judges? Would he just be sitting there going, I don't know what to do? Democrats, you just, I vote for you year after year. I guess I have to have my head examined. But you make things so hard. So complicated. All right. Without further ado, my distinguished guest is very patiently waiting uh, to come on. Uh, Marcy Pedraza is her name. And uh, she is a, a striking member of the UAW. Uh, and she's so, so graciously agreed to come on my show and break down everything, all the issues in the strike. Uh, so, Marcy? Welcome to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Hi, thanks for having me. And Marcy's voice is a little raspy right now, or sounds a little raspy. It is not, people, not because she's a three-pack-a-day cigarette smoker. It's because she she's not even a one-day, one-pack-a-day cigarette smoker. She's not even a one-cigarette-a-day pack uh, smoker. She is, uh, she's been on the line, correct? And uh, been yeah. very busy leading... Um, yeah, so, so if you never heard me speak before, this is um, not my normal speaking voice, but it's my, you know, I've been talking or shouting too much on the picket line voice. Um, so until we get into the particulars of what you do, where you work, and what the strike is all about, I have to tell you, Marcy, we talked, Marcy and I talked, uh, first of all, shout out to Carlos at Haymarket, who helped set this up. Carlos, Ooh. love you, baby. Uh, and uh, he was the one who said, Ben, call Marcy. She'll come on your show. Uh, but there was a story in today's New York Times. I want to show this to you. And I saw it after you uh, and I were talking today about John Fain, the president of the United Auto uh, Workers. And Marcy, I was reading this story about Sean Fain. I didn't know much about him. You know, to me, it's just like this. When I live in Chicago, he's basically in uh, Michigan. Uh, and it's just like this talking head you see on TV. And this story was r remarkably sympathetic to him for a mainstream media. Uh, and uh, it, just told his background. Uh, and so I, I just like, he reminded me so much, his story, though it, they're two different people, reminded me so much of the, my dear friend, the late, great Karen Lewis, who was the head of the Chicago Teachers Union, Marcy. And I know you know this because you're from Chicago. You went to Kenwood High School. You're a Chicago kid. Uh, but Karen Lewis, like, she had a whole career as a high school teacher, public high school teacher in the city of Chicago, and then relatively late in life, 
she decided to get into uh, union uh, politics and she headed a slight core that uh, was victorious in a union election in 2010. Uh, and then she just had this, I don't give a damn attitude. I'm not going to play the game the way people, unions in this town have played the game, kissing the ring at a mayor, uh, doing whatever, but in that case, Mayor Rahm told her to do. Uh, and she just t changed the tone and tenor of union activism in the city of Chicago uh, and gave new life to the left. Uh, and now we have Brandon Johnson as mayor of city of Chicago, uh, who is uh, a former aide to Karen Lewis. So a remarkable story. Sean Fain, it's very similar. He, he was uh, working, uh, he was an auto worker for years and years. He got involved uh, relatively late in life in the union uh, and ran an, a, an insurgency ticket against the old corrupt leadership. Uh, and, um, and he says, I mean, I got to give him credit. This, this is one of his quotes, Marcy. Billionaires, in my opinion, don't have a right to exist. There's a billionaire class and there's the rest of us. We are expected to sit, and I'll get to the next page, get where the rest of the quote. We are expected to sit, to sit back and take the scraps and live paycheck to paycheck and scrape to get by. We're second class citizens. That's bold talk. I, I assume, Marcy, uh, you sort of have the same worldview as Sean Fain, correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, so I'm a member also of UAWD, which is Unite All Workers for Democracy. That's our rank and file, you know, caucus for UAW members. And we were successful in um, our campaign for one member, one vote referendum that happened, you know, last year. So this is the first time we had elections. We got to elect our international leadership in UAW's history. So Sean Fain, you know, and Margaret Mock and LaShawn English, you know, these, uh, the members United slate won across the board. So, I mean, he's only been office in office, what, five, six months. Mm -hmm. And so I had the pleasure of meeting him and the other members of the slate that, that came out to Lansing, Illinois last year, um, you know, on the campaign trail. And it was just so motivating to see, you know, um, the, the work that, that we're doing. And, and I, and it's similar to core, also, uh, TDU, you know, other rank and file caucuses that, um, you know, have made tremendous gains for the membership. Uh, and it's TD the first time, like, the members have had such transparency in these contract camp in this campaign, in these negotiations. You know, this is only my third contract. So I'll just start out by saying, you know, I've been a union electrician for 24 years, but I've been, I worked, I've been in the UAW for 10 years. First at Belvedere Assembly Plant. I worked there three years. I moved my family, just me and my daughter up to Belvedere because um, that's where the work was, right? Sometimes you just got to move. And that first shitty contract that was shoved down our throats. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I swear? Yeah, you know, that's a podcast. You <laughs> say anything you want. <laughs> that first uh, crappy contract, uh, you know, I didn't know any better. I came from the outside. All I thought was, okay, this is steady work. And and it's great, even though I took a huge pay cut coming from construction, you know, as a tradesperson, um, but steady work, right? And I had to move two hours for my family, but got this crappy contract, seemed like it was okay. Then the next contract came along and leadership shoved it down our throats again. There, you know, we always voted, we will strike if we have to, but never had to go on strike. Um, so this 
is the first time, I guess, I think in, well, it's the first time in history that all, some companies from all big three, BM, Ford, or Stellantis, which was Chrysler, um, have been on strike. So seven years ago, I started at Ford Chicago Assembly Plant. I, got, I was able to move back home because they were hiring, you know, uh, everywhere people are hiring need trades people. So I'm always advocating for people to get into the trades if they're looking for, for work, you know. So I've been at Ford seven years. I'm an electrician. I work in the paint department. And yeah, so. Uh, you work, did you say you work in the paint department? Paint department, yes. What does that mean? Uh, the paint shop that paints the cars. Uh, well, basically trades people just make sure the line's running smoothly, right? There's millwrights, electricians, pipe fitters, tool makers, and production assembles the cars. And then, um, well, first, you know, it's it's a chunk of steel. Um, it has to go through the paint process, you know, all kinds of coatings, um, electrostatic coating uh, for, you know, chip, no chip, uh, paint or primer paint, clear coat, goes through ovens, has to dry. Then it goes to the final assembly where it gets all put together and taken out of the plant. And and to get to that point where you can do the job that you do, how much training do you have? The job I do. Oh, I actually learned a lot of it on the job. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the great things about being in the trades. Well, for me as an electrician, uh, I feel like I could learn something new every day. You know, I've been doing this over over 20 years. And even when I started and I was an apprentice, uh, I got moved around quite a bit. Uh, I was able to teach some of the old timers things that they had never seen before. And now I'm seeing that in, you know, my years, you know, I have apprentices sometimes and they can teach me things while I'm teaching them, you know, because technology changes. And I coming in from the outside, I know, you know, pipe and wire, right? Construction. And here I am trying to manage 50, 60 robots during a 12 hour shift. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now? You know, I feel like I should have an engineering degree by now, which is what I tried to get back when I went to the University of Southern California, uh, but I couldn't afford to finish, but that's another story for another time. So yeah, I was fortunate to have on the job training and even being um, trained at ABB in Michigan for the robots we use. Um, I had to brush up on my PLCs, programmable logic controls, because while we did that, we had that in apprenticeship training. I never use that on the job, never use it in the field. You know, we're outside, we're in the dirt, we're getting dirty. Mm -hmm. But in manufacturing, in maintenance, a lot of it is computerized, automated. You know, we're programming robots, we're maintaining them, troubleshooting, changing parts, you know, making sure the equipment's uh, good to go, basically. Mm. And you're just talking about robots, uh, if they had their way, the powers that be would replace all of you with robots. Uh, that's sort of what, I mean, that's the backdrop of all, I mean, so many. Yeah, like, I mean, we, we, yeah it's, it's a real thing. When they first came around, you know, um, that was the big argument, like, well, robots can only, you know, they can only do so much, right? And I think Walter Ruther had said, that's fine, but robots can't buy your cars, right? And what I like to say is that, um, there still needs to be people to maintain this equipment and robots make mistakes. They crash and destroy cars all the time. You know? So that's where we come in. Uh, and, and also too, some of these robots, I mean, the robots, some of the work they do is, is the most repetitive and strenuous work that no human being should be expected to do for 10, 12 hours a day. You know, I'm sure you've seen the stories or read some of the reports on um, that have been going on, you know, during this, during this fight when people, 
like to criticize auto workers, but I know so many people that have had so many surgeries throughout their years, you know, even at young, a young age, just to be able to, to go back to work, you know, just to be able to function in normal life. You know, this repetitive physical work is definitely straining on the body. And one quote that somebody wrote, I don't even know who it was, it was a tradesman, tradesperson, I'm sure. They said, um, you know, when I was on the line, meaning production, I had to, you know, I had sore back, sore knees, sore legs, everything. And I was so glad, he was so glad to get into the trades because he didn't have that repetition anymore. Mm. But the only thing he had to worry about was getting killed. The only thing, right? Yeah. That hit me. Like, yeah, some people think, you know, we're just sitting around waiting for something to go wrong, which is, you know, true. We, we, we're putting fires out, right? When the line stops, we're there. The, the, the company just wants it to go because every second they're down, they're losing money, right? But it's often very, you know, it could be dangerous. You know, I could go on a live panel and, and get electrocuted, you know, or, um, you know, millwrights get, you know, have crushing uh, incidents or all the time, you know, it's just... It is definitely can be scary, a scary environment. Uh, that quote by Walter Ruther, I, I wrote it down. I had not heard that before. Uh, I wonder if he actually said it or it's, you know how they do that? Like, it sounds like something he would say, so we'll let, let him say it. Whatever he said it or not, it's a great oh, quote. I think it was the management or companies were saying, um, how are you going to get the robots to pay dues, right? Yeah. There's a shot at the workers. And he said, well, Good luck getting the robots to buy cars. Yeah, no. And and you know what? You can't get. <laughs> I've listened to that. So be between your strike, the well, the, the writer's strike, which ended, and this, uh, the actor strike, which is going on, uh, and just collective bargaining efforts with Starbucks uh, and uh, just throughout the country. I mean, Karen Lewis really started something, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. She'll never get the credit she deserved, but whatever. Um, no, de definitely kudos to her. You know, she's the legend. She's the goat. And uh, uh, but this, like they, they always they always have these billionaires like they try and different talking points out. And so some like, you know, this is just going to increase inflation. It's going to take money from you if you give too, too much money to the workers. Which to watch, I say, well, why are you cut back? If you if you're so worried about inflation, then what you should do is reduce the amount of money you take and then you can lower the price. Are you proud? I figured it out. I figured out the thing for Durbin. I figured out the thing for the immigrants. I should be more than a podcaster, Marcy, in my attic. I'm I'm, I'm a big idea guy. Uh, but I should be more than an electrician too. I feel like I am sometimes. No, electricians are significant human beings. I'm in awe of electricians. Can I just tell you that? Thank you. Thank you. I um, as the guy who can barely get my computer to function, I'm in awe of you guys. Um, but the 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 notion that. Uh, robots can't buy your cars is such a, a truth because the if you don't have they call it a middle class for lack of a better term but what it means working class a working class I was a very up, uh, middle class upbringing I very I like I talk all the time I went to camp went to decamp in the summer Marcy okay what I'm saying here uh, my parents could afford to send me to college and um, if you don't have that kind of middle class, you can't go to college, you can't buy cars, you can't buy a house. You talk about fortifying the economy. It's like, what do you have? You, you don't have an economy if you don't have people that could buy things. So capitalists are like their own worst enemies, Marcy. Do you follow what I just told you? They're their oh, yeah. own worst enemy. No, I'm just saying it's, it's, they're forcing us. They're, it's a race to the bottom. You know, they, it's the same old saying, they keep getting richer 
and we kept getting poor, you know, like, well, I grew up working class, working poor, whatever. And then, you know, you think you reach a certain point and, you know, you're middle class, but we're all just working class. You know, if you're working for a paycheck, I try to tell folks this, that, you know, they're saying, well, I do this and I have this. I'm like, but you're still going to work every day. You, you depend on that paycheck, right? And you have to do something for it. So we're working class, you know, they just want to divide us and pit us against each other. And that's, that's always been true, right? Cause that's how they keep us where they want us working for them basically. Yeah, no, you, they do divide uh, workers. And so you'll have, I've seen interviews where they'll bring, drag out some worker goes, oh, I don't know, you know, these strikers at the Ford facility, at least some, some guy from like McDonald's or something. I don't know. It's gonna, they, it seems like they do well. They, they always want to divide. Always like I, I really try that with the teachers. Oh my God! They look, they scour the city of Chicago to find someone uh, to say something critical about. If you're willing to say something critical about the teachers and the teachers union, they'll promote you. They'll put you on TV in front of the camera. Here, go ahead, read your lines. All right, here's the riff in the New York Times today that gets to the essence of what your union is demanding. And uh, so here we go. I'm going to read this from today's New York Times, the profile, which I urge everybody to check out about uh, Sean Fain, who is the head of the union uh, the Marcy is in. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> First, there are the aggressive demands and, uh, uh, and tactics. The union wants a 40% raise over four years to make up for much smaller increases in past years, a four-day work week, annual cost of living adjustments, paid health care for retirees, and the elimination of lower pay tier for new workers. To secure these benefits, the UAW is challenging all three companies at once, which it had never done by staging a targeted escalating walkout. Uh, so is that an accurate uh, representation of yeah, what you, you were asking the, for? Um, yeah, that's the highlights of the demands. Um, the uh, people always say, why the 40%? Well, uh, the top executives, the CEOs have given themselves 40% increases over the last four years. Right. And we've gotten the last contract. I've gotten two, 3% raises, right? That's 6%. Inflation over the last four years have been almost 20%. So I used to say our wages have been stagnant, right? These last 10, 15 years, but that's not true at all. They've actually been going backwards because uh, auto workers have given up so many concessions since the recession and the, you know, bailouts, bankruptcies, whatever you want to call them, uh, back in, you know, from 07 to 09. And, you know, they, the, the auto workers have kept the companies afloat. They said, you give these things back and we'll, you know, we'll be able to keep you employed basically. Right. Um, so all these things that were given up, it's time to, to give them back because, you know, they've been making record profits the last 10 years. They've made a quarter of a trillion in profits. That's with a T. And just the first six months of this year alone, $21 billion. So even if they doubled our wages today, which would be a hundred percent increase, right? Not 40, they would still make record billions in profits. And wow. uh, the other, as far as the other um, demands, um, cost of living allowance, you know, that goes with inflation and pensions. I hired after 2007, so I don't get a pension. I don't get lifetime health care. Um, and you know, the fight for the 32 hour work week, which is important, you know, time, more time with our families, more time to do whatever it is we want to do. And the, also the just transition to electric vehicles, which is important for not just workers, but for the environment. Wow. And, 
let's talk about that. Uh, it's interesting, the political dynamic, uh, the way this is playing out. Um, so I began this show on a different topic, uh, explaining that I'm a lifelong Democrat, Marcy. Don't make fun of me. Uh, and uh, I pledged my allegiance to that party. <laughs> uh, but on a matter like this, is, this sort of indicates why. As frustrated as I get with the Democrats, and I'm always airing my, my frustration with them, Marcy. Yes, okay. The, the opening of the show is just sort of one sample of how I'm always railing at Democrats. As frustrated as I am, they are the only major party, there's two major parties, the only major party that is even half-heartedly trying to be real about any issue that we're facing. This particular issue that we're facing is inequity uh, and protecting workers in the faces of advancing technologies that uh, can render them obsolete. All right. So Republicans have this attitude of, well, we'll let the free market prevail, uh, except in their cases where they always <laughs> want the government to intervene and protect their sorry little fortunes. Just take a look at the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, NBA, any any uh, one of these cartels that uh, has caps that limit what workers can get to protect their profits. So there is no free market. Uh, and uh, the Republican response if there is a Republican response, is to blame everything on electric vehicles. And so Donald Trump, who is the leader of the Republican Party, who will be the Republican nominee in most likelihood, who is the president of MAGA, which is roughly 40% of this country right now, he is saying he is going to solve the problems of inequity in the auto industry. Marcy, I am not making this up by outlawing electric vehicles that are manufactured in this country. I'm like, that's the growing market in this country. Hello, Donnie Trump. You're just going mean, to outlaw the... the look, no. I know there's there's a lot of hesitance or you know apprehension towards electric vehicles. Uh, for one, mo most of us can't even afford the products we do make, whether they're combustible engines or electric. I mean, these new trucks coming out of our plant can go from sixty dollars to $100,000. You know, that's like the price of a small house. If I bought one, I'd probably be living in it, you know? Um, and, and look that I just tell people these uh, EVs, they're coming, whether we like it or not, it's inevitable, right? We needed to just end our dependence on fossil fuels. And a lot of the, um, you know, what workers are saying is that, oh, this is too fast. You know, where am I going to charge my car when I'm going on a long trip? You know, I'm sure this is what people were saying when, when cars were first around and, there weren't as many gas stations, you know, and how many long trips are we really going on? I don't know, maybe a couple times a year, you know, whatever, but it's just, it's just, it, it's going to happen. And we need to make sure that these plants are our union because, you know, green jobs should be union jobs, but what the companies are doing is they're building these plants with our tax dollars and tax subsidies from the government in right to work for less States, you know, tech, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, and they're doing it with these joint ventures with other companies so that they don't have to be organized. But that doesn't mean we can't go in there and organize them, right? And they're starting them out at poverty wages. And, and already, I mean, this is, this is work. This is auto work. It should be for auto workers in, in a union. Um, and their argument is that, uh, well, they're saying it's going to take 30 to 40% less workforce or less workers to build these uh, cars. Well, what more, what a better argument for a 32 hour work week, 
you know, then hopefully you won't have to lay off any workers with this shorter work week, you know, and, and there'll be more productivity, you know, um, less strain on your bodies and, and things like that. Do you find some of your allies are, are Republicans? Oh yeah, people? for sure. I mean, there's definitely a few Trumpsters. There. Um, I wouldn't call them allies. They're, they're my union siblings, <laughs> but comrades. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't get it. I mean, he said that we make too much money and you know, we, we should be glad they're not all moving to the South and South of the border. And I mean, this is coming from someone who's never worked a hard day in his life. Right. So he wouldn't last a day in an auto plant. So what is the lure of Trump to someone who's on strike right now uh, in a in a labor showdown in which the Republican Party, one more time, the Trump heads, is essentially against your existence? Because if you follow Trump's uh, position to the extent, full extent of its logic, which there is no logic, but if you followed it to its full extent, uh, he would essentially uh, destroy the UAW by... Um, encouraging the development of electric uh, vehicle plants that are non-unionized, pay people less, uh, and uh, just limit the union to a portion of the auto market that is either stable or shrinking. So it just, uh, it's counter to the existence of the UAW. But what would you say to somebody who is supportive of Trump, even though what Trump is pushing for uh, is, works against their interests? Well, I don't understand. I mean, you would, you would have to ask them, but uh, I did hear somebody yesterday just driving by and harassing us while I was on the picket line last night, something, something Biden, go Trump. I was like, what? I don't, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> or he, I think he said, this was all Biden's fault. I'm like, oh, really? It's one person's fault. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, the world is literally on fire or flooding. And, you know, it, it's just, it's just ridiculous to, to think you could blame it on one person. And, um, yeah, it, I, I don't know. I can't even reason with some. And, and unfortunately, I would say it's, uh, yeah, it's probably mostly older white males who are jumping that train, you know? And, and maybe they just see it as something new and different, but that doesn't mean it, it's right or it's going to work. You know, they're tired of the status quo. I mean, so am I. Like, to me, Democrats and Republicans, they all serve the ruling class, right? And the billionaires and the millionaires and the corporations. But I don't know. Uh, you, you, you mentioned that uh, you're, you don't have a pension plan, but you do get Social Security, correct? Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, and we and have a, a 401k, like it's called our test fee account. But, you know, it gets hit every time the market drops you know people have lost like thousands of dollars in it from um whenever there's a crash or whatever you know and like i mean we work through a global pandemic you know mo the most of the world the rest most of people a lot of people got to go and work from home we didn't have that luxury we we're only laid off two months from march to may of 2020 and that was only because of part shortage because steel mills were shut down you know now parts and then Ford made a bunch of masks, surgical masks. They're like, all right, you can go back to work. <laughs> so we're uh, risking our lives and our families' lives, going back to work in the plants with thousands of people, coming home every day. And 
Like I had to pay a small fortune in childcare because my daughter was going to school online and I had to have somebody here with her. You know, I couldn't leave her alone at the age nine at the time, you know? So, and that was also a challenge finding somebody willing to do that, knowing that I'm coming home, potentially carrying a deadly virus. Yeah. Uh, and do they match, do they match uh, contributions to the 401k? Your, your Ford? They yes. do? Okay. So if you put in a hundred, they put in a hundred. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's like, there's a percentage and you could change it, but I think it's theirs as a set percentage. Okay. All right. Uh, so I don't mean to go into whole discourse on pensions, but uh, this is what I always say when I get to the subject to my millennial listeners. Uh, you, one day you will be old. <laughs> this will matter to you. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of that bad news. Uh, and our country's attitude toward pensions is so weird. It's I just don't Somebody, understand. It. Some, uh, I don't know who he was. Somebody I saw on one news clip said that these are excess, excessive benefits. And I find it funny. This person was given millions of dollars by the company. Talk about excessive. And he's having, he dares to say that we're asking for excess benefits. You know? Some of these CEOs, I think, what's his name? Marcioni from Chrysler at the time. He yeah. gets millions of dollars post-mortem to his estate. It's like, what the fuck? That's a good deal. We're just trying to get, we're just trying to live and buy eggs and milk and shit. <laughs> you know what's the funniest thing? I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent here, but uh, I know some people who are retired police officers getting pensions in the city of Chicago, which I'm contributing to, and I always support you guys with you 100%. So don't, um, I'm your biggest fan when it comes, the supporter, I should say, when it comes to your pension rights. Uh, then they moved to Florida. And they go to Florida, living on a, a Illinois Chicago pension, and support Ron DeSantis, who is like against pensions. Yeah. I'm like, hello, at least be just try to be consistent on some level. You know what I mean of your life? Just right. I mean, it's 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 unfathomable to some people, like even the youth that that don't realize. Like my grandfather, you know, I come from the southeast side of Chicago steel mill town you know their steel mills are gone now but but my grandfather when he came from mexico mexico he worked in the mills my great-grandfather my dad worked in the mills you know they could support my grandfather supported a family of five just on his one check one job he had property he had two three lots in the city of chicago you know on the southeast side he put um you know his kids through catholic school and college and had a pension his wife had retiree, you know, uh, spousal benefits, a pension until he died when he was 90 years old, you know, and some people can't even imagine like having that or what that's like and that, that we deserve that too. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, so what is the, the, the state of the strike? Or, oh, by the way, before I forget, I must point out in contrast to Trump, say what you will about Joe Biden. And so many of my lefty listeners are always hammering with me about Joe Biden. At least he stood with the UAW workers on their strike line. So I gave him a yeah, lot but of it, it took it took us to get them out there, you know, to get anyone out there. Uh, Bernie Sanders has always been a supporter of labor, you know, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Representative uh, Tlaib. And, you know, like Sean Fain has said, it's if when we win this battle, I'm saying when, but Sean Fain said it won't because it won't be because the president of the United States came out. It won't be because of President Sean Fain. It'll be because the members demanded these things and worked together in solidarity. Fair enough. President Biden, I tried. I try to give you credit. 
This is always what happens with my show. A lefty comes on. I try to give you credit. And they go, and you know, Biden can't get credit. I'm going to have to vote for Biden. I voted for Biden. I'm just saying, when you contrast him with the Republican Party, I know you, you, do, you probably don't have the patience to sit through with a Republican presidential debate. If you had heard last week, oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen, breaking news, Marcy's got a dog that just walked in front of the camera. That is a beautiful dog. Uh, look like Rin Tin Tin. Uh, that is a great looking dog. Uh, if you had heard the rhetoric of the Republican presidential uh, wannabe candidates uh, on the issue of the middle class or the uh, working class and unions, you would have been pulling your hair out. So at least <laughs> oh, Biden uh, pays lip service to this. I give him credit for that. Uh, all right. Uh, so. I read the essentially boiled down demands out, uh, as they uh, appeared in the newspaper. Where do we stand with the strike right now? Um, well, let's see. It's been going on since uh, midnight or the night of September 14th, the morning of September 15th. That was when the contract expired. Um, there's currently 25,000 auto workers on strike across the U.S. There's five assembly plants, mine included, that was just added last Friday. Um, 38 parts distribution centers across the country. And I believe there's an update tomorrow from the president at 2 p.m. Eastern time. But so far, you know, I think this some some people are questioning this strategy, right? I'm just trusting the process, you know, because it's it's definitely keeping them, the companies on their toes. It's keeping them guessing, right? And now they're fighting against each other to try to see who's going to bring forth the the first tentative agreement, you know, first, who's going to, who's going to be first to the table, say, look, we did all these things. Oh, that's my dog. Anyway, um, she's whining, you know, so, so it's, it's interesting to see like how this whole time they've always pitted us against each other. And now they're trying to see, you know, who's going to be first. And, and, and it's also getting other workers involved and excited talking about, like there's, I've I've heard of people in non-union auto plants talking about it and wondering what we're demanding, what are the kind of wages that we might get, you know, and and they're definitely going to be interested in hopefully joining the UAW too, or um, at least uh, demanding more from from their shops, from their companies. So hopefully this will have a ripple effect for workers any, everywhere. Do you have any sense of uh, when the strike may end, like when? No idea, but you know, our our um, I've been to all of the pickets so far, and as far as our plant, um, just trying to talk to people, and you know, of course, in the beginning, everybody's energized and excited, and we're pumped up. We've been pumped up since before it even started, just waiting to see are we going to be called out, you know? And it was it was almost kind of disappointing when you weren't called, and that just goes to show how how united we are, how we're we're ready, we're. You know, there's just a lot of just good solidarity across the board. Um, and I know it's only been one week for us, and it's been over two weeks for many others. Um, it, I mean, what was the last strike? GM, 44 days back in 2019. Yeah. And I don't think they got a really great contract out of that. But um, I don't know. I have, I have no idea. Just we'll have to wait and see what happens tomorrow if uh, they're going to add more plants to strike. Could be all of them, could be some, or maybe there's uh, an agreement on the table to vote on. We don't know which company or, 
you know, could be all or one or none. Yeah. And, and uh, how are you, the strikers uh, making ends meet? Uh, without we get pay strike terms? pay. If, you know, if you do your strike duties, uh, we get strike pay, uh, which is 500 a week, but that just, this is the first time it's been that high. It used to be, well, it used to be a lot lower, but you know, over the years, it went up to from 100 to 250, 400. I think last time, four years ago, it was at 250. But the last uh, convention they had with the delegates, they voted it to be 500 a week. And, you, and that also includes uh, basic health insurance, which for us, um, we haven't been cut off yet by the company. But if that happens, then the union insurance should cover us. Yeah. And has the company made any attempt to bring in uh, what we call scabs? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. I <laughs> I see them all the time. I could see them from my window because there's literally a picket two blocks from my house. And as exhausted as I am trying to do something every day, I look outside and I feel guilty. Like I should be out there on the picket line. And when you called me earlier, I was like trying to take a nap, but I can't. <laughs> uh, we see trucks coming in and out, not Teamsters, because they told us they will not cross the picket line. These are non-union contractors that they're hiring to move the products, move the cars out of the yards. Um, I see people coming out on 116th, right by Avenue O. They're coming out of that storage lot, just driving the trucks. So I don't know who they are or who they work for because there's no, they're wearing safety vests, but there's, I can't see a company name or anything. So we're trying to, you know, yell at them, call them scabs. That's all we can do. You know, we're not, not physically going to, can't put ourselves in danger, can't be confrontational. You know, we have to be, we have to stay safe too. All these pickets are on, on busy streets and, you know, first and foremost, we want everyone to, to stay safe. And, and most of the people passing by, are they supportive or are they like? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Chicago's a union town. Most of the time we get nothing but honks. And I'm sure my neighbors are complaining because of the noise. But, you know, hope they support us. I, have li I live by a, a lot of retirees, so they're probably trying to sleep in. Um, yeah, when there's traffic, there's a lot of honking. And people have been dropping off supplies. Uh, only aside from that guy that was saying something about Biden and whatever uh, that there was one woman who drove by us the first day it was just me it was just a three person picket because we, we went by one of the truck gates and she said something like driving by really fast like go back to work <laughs> it's like we would love to go back to work <laughs> but here we are you know fighting for a fair contract yeah there's no truth to the rumor that that woman that yelled at was Nikki Haley. Just kidding. <laughs> she was probably, um, I don't know, maybe she had the luxury of working from home and <laughs> doesn't need to go back to work. No, Nikki Haley is one of the uh, Nothing against people working from home, but yes. <laughs> I don't want us to see now I'm not pitting us against other workers. I'm just right. saying like, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you say, Nikki Haley was one of the Republican candidates for president uh, who has an extremely anti-union attitude. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, good luck with her, uh, <laughs> working people of America. Uh, all right. Before I let you go, I'd love to you to riff a little bit on something we touched on that it's not directly related uh, to the strike. And you said it sort of in passing. Uh, and it's something I really believe in. And that is the role that the Chicago Public Schools, your CPS grad, uh, proud graduate of Kenwood High, uh, the role that the CPS could play in developing a trades uh, 
community in the city of Chicago. And one of the things I find so frustrating uh, when I, and I, I alluded to this at the outset of the show, uh, Marcy is like our, our city's reaction to the busloads coming in from Texas, like this sense of helplessness. We don't know what to do as if this city has never built anything in its life. Uh, as if this isn't a city of hustlers who are always like building something and trying to sell it. All of a sudden, we can't do anything. And it's always that way in the city of Chicago. When you want to help somebody who's a little down and out, the city of Chicago still hasn't figured out how to help black people in black neighborhoods, except, except move them out. That's me talking not Marcy. So if you're mad at that comment, blame me, not Marcy. Uh, and you said something to me that just blew my mind. That's some of the work you did as an electrician was at public schools dismantling the uh, work facilities, like the trade facility, training like facilities like at Lane Tech and other high schools. I'm like, oh my lord. <laughs> We're not going I mean, forward. We're going backwards. I mean, You're so going, clueless. Go ahead. Take it away. This was going 20 years ago. Uh, when I was an apprentice still, yeah, a lot of our work, I've worked in about a hundred Chicago public schools. I, I wrote them down in the calendar because I was going to keep track and, you know, Lane Tech and, and CVS, just um, tons of schools, getting rid of the shops, auto shops, the wood shops, you know, Lane Tech used to print their own newspaper, their own yearbooks. And now that's all outsourced, uh, you know, we're making room for computer labs and other classrooms and you know, which is great. And a lot of these schools are going towards uh, more career or college prep, uh, which is fine. But like I said, you know, college is not for everyone. And, you know, I found it to be a good move for myself to get into the trades only because I talked to somebody, a friend in the neighborhood that was doing the same thing. Um, so, you know, I think we need to get a pushback to that too. And there are some places that are trying, like I have a friend, she's an electrician too, works at Simeon, uh, high school and she teaches electricity there um but you know i went to kenwood that's college prep school kenwood academy which also by the way karen lewis went to school too uh so yeah we need more tradespeople. i'm always telling everybody who who who's looking for something to do and they might not want to go to college or they're just stuck in a rut you know we need more training for that because we we definitely have the demand right we can be training new apprentices to to be plumbers to change all the lead pipes in chicago right we have the highest number of lead service lines in the country you know there's green energy green infrastructure we're fighting on the southeast side for new green schools and thanks again shout out to ctu for uh helping us out with that and fighting for for new green schools to also make a, a better impact on our environment what better place than the southeast side right one of the most polluted uh neighborhoods and in the city, in the country, probably, but, you know, so there's, there's work to be done and we just need a workforce that's trained and, and able to do it. There you go. I hope the people who uh, run this city and all, the Republicans and corporate Chicago are listening to this uh, because it just seems as though Chicago is working against its self-interest so often. Uh, and just the concept of taking uh, like auto shops, uh, and converting them to computer labs just because you have a sense that this is what where we're going. I don't even know what is motivating them to do this, to tell you the truth. I, I can't think of a logical thing. Like, everybody, you want people to buy cars? You're going to buy a car. You have to get your car repaired. It's Somebody like has very to make it. I mean, yeah, buildings still have to be made here, right? Yeah. <laughs> they still you need can't... to be made by hand. Yeah. 
it's just like a whole thing. Like lane tech, you're right. It's tech. The tech in lane was not computers, ladies and gentlemen. And now it's uh, a, I don't know, career academy. Uh, it's a career academy. Everything, academy. everything is college because parents are so afraid. That little Johnny and Janie won't get into Stanford. And don't get me started, Marcy. I well, guess what happens? On. Like, guess what happens when they do get into Stanford? And that's great. They go into a ton of debt and they end up living in the parents' <laughs> basement trying to pay off that debt and work. And, you know, you can't afford to buy a house. You can't, you know, like I, it, it's horrible. I went to one of the most expensive schools in the country um, and couldn't afford to finish. But when I came home, I went right to work. And then I, I got bored of working in offices. So then I got into the trades. As soon as I became an apprentice in the first few years, I paid off my college debt and I was able to buy a house. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're listening to the Chicago. Uh, and uh, you can put people to work. Chicagoans to work building things that Chicagoans need. And for the betterment uh, of our planet, too. Yes. For yeah. the betterment of our planet. Let's not even talk about General Iron. Um, our season <laughs> oh, yeah. front line That's fight. That's a whole other Environmental show. justice is workers' justice. That's another thing that, you know, we're often pitted against each other, blue collar versus the environmentalists. It's like, why can't we have both good jobs, green jobs, and union jobs? Uh, we'll end it there, except I forgot to do something at the outset, uh, so we'll do it now. Uh, Marcy, why don't you tell folks if they want to join the protest this Saturday that you were telling me about? Oh, yeah, we're having a big, details. Go. big big rally this Saturday at the UAW Local 551 Union Hall on 135th and Torrance. Um, starts at 2, but I would try to get there early. President Sean Fain is going to be there. Hopefully, uh, CTU leadership. Um, yeah, so it's going to be huge. We're going to be marching down Torrance, taking it to the streets right down Torrance Avenue to the training center on 126th in Torrance. But also you could stop at any picket site and give us a honk, get some supplies, bring snacks. There's 116th and Avenue O, 126th and Burley, 126th and Torrance, and 130th Street just west of Torrance. There's a picket site too. Very good. Uh, Marcy, thank you very much for uh, interrupting your day. I appreciate it uh, coming on my humble little podcast. Uh, and informing people what's going on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, all right. I also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job. And I think uh, Marcy will agree with me when I say, hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, columns from Ben Jarofsky, all that and more at chicagoreader.com. Hey, get yourself some Chicago Reader merch while you're there. Just head over to the store. And follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram at Benny J Show. And as always, like and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.